first then. Okay. How do podcasts work? Hi. Okay. Um, so welcome to the Graceland 2 podcast. My name is Max Reed. I'm the director of Graceland 2. And I'm Nicole Hughes, the writer and producer of Graceland 2, the building that Elvis never left. Yeah, so we're just kind of randomly deciding that we're going to podcast the process of taking this idea, this idea of hers, and yeah. putting it on a New York stage. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I guess this is step one, just telling you guys that that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. I think a bit of background and also why I wrote it would be a good place to start. Yeah. Um, first of all, we're both from Memphis, and I know for me... Uh, growing up, Elvis Presley is something, you know, being a Memphian, you can't avoid it. That's for sure. Um, I know you have your Elvis stories. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got Elvis stories. What are some of yours? Um, well, my aunt was the vet at Graceland for years, and so I used to get to go up there on Halloweens um, because they have a stable, like they have lots of horses and animals, the estate, the Presley estate, and so... I don't know. I had unique access to that as a kid, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yours are more fun than mine. Mine are a bit morbid. Um, my great uncle, um, he embalmed Elvis. So What an honor. It was an honor. Um, so if anyone has any questions around Elvis's death, um, I can... Or innards. Yeah. I mean, he... Anyway. So, yeah. Uh, growing up, we always had his flowers, Elvis's flowers from the funeral in our attic. Um, Which is also a thing that actually is in your script, the flowers it, from Elvis's graveside. Yeah, it's in the script. Um, and the play actually opens with Elvis's death. It was such a point in history and time. I think it, you know, people who were around for it definitely remember where they were when it happened. Mm -hmm. um, kind of like any big celebrity. Like, I think we can all remember where we were when Michael Jackson passed or, mm -hmm. you know, anyone on that, like, level of celebrity. It impacts everyone so greatly. Um, so, yeah, what was so fascinating to me about Graceland 2, and I think for most people, is Paul McLeod. Mm -hmm. um, uh, <laughs> can you edit some of this? <coughs> I mean, could, but we also, like, don't necessarily have to. <clears throat> okay, cool. Um, so back in 2008, I went and visited Graceland, too, um, with my friend Evan, who went to Ole Miss. And if you went to Ole Miss, you definitely knew of Graceland, too. When the bars closed, um, that's where you went. That was the attraction and the place to go because Graceland, too, was open 24-7. Mm, and just... That was a precursor before we keep on going into this. Graceland 2 is not Graceland, like Elvis's house, but this is another attraction that True. was in uh, Holly Springs, Mississippi. We'll back up a little. Yeah. Um, so Paul McLeod was an Elvis fanatic. Um, a lot of people are, but he was like, literally, he described himself as the universe's galaxy's number one Elvis fan. Um, so much so that he even named his son Elvis mm. and he collected all this memorabilia, memorabilia. That's how you say that. And yeah, filled his home full of Elvis memorabilia 
and turned his home in Holly Springs, Mississippi. So it sits right between Tupelo, which is Elvis's birthplace, and Memphis. Which is Elvis's death place. Yeah. Um, yeah. He turned his home into Graceland, too. So you could go at any hour of the day, pay $5, and visit Graceland, too. Um, and for the most part, the memorabilia was, it was kind of just junk. Um, the Unique-ish real... junk, but junk. You yeah. know, nothing that was going to make him the money he thought he would. it would. Right. Um, just a lot of vinyl records and magazines and any mention of Elvis in the in the news or on TV, it was all documented. Um, but the real attraction at Graceland 2 was the owner, was Paul. And... Just triple checking my sound. We're all good. Great. So in 2008, I went to Graceland 2 with my friend Evan, who... Um, shout out Evan. Shout out to Evan. He introduced me to Graceland 2. Um, we went at like 3 a.m. And Paul answered and he gave us a tour and it was interesting, but there was like an uneasiness to it. You like never knew what was going to happen. You never knew what Paul was going to do. And the one thing that everyone knew about Paul was that he, he stayed awake for days, days on end by drinking a lot of Coca-Cola. He stayed hyped on Coca-Cola. And so, yeah, I just remember this experience um, years ago. So fast forward to 2014, when Graceland 2 officially closed. Um, I read it when it happened. It came out. It was published everywhere, like the New York Times. It, it made national news. Um, the turn of events that led to Graceland 2 closing. And it's been on my mind ever since. I was like, this should be a movie or it should be, the story should be known because it was so bizarre. And nothing ever really happened with it. I mean, there is a documentary that is being worked on at the moment, but I thought it would be picked up by like some big thugs, you know? Mm -hmm. And the story just kind of, kind of went away um, along with Paul and Graceland too. It just kind of hid in the shadows. And even locals, you know, in Memphis have kind of either forgotten about it or never knew about it. Um, I never knew about it until you brought it to my attention. And I think you might have brought it to my attention in like 2015. Yeah. Um, but it's bizarre. And, the and you know, quickly, the turn of events, which is the the whole point of the play um you know it's it's about how it all ended which is paul hired this young black man to do some maintenance work on the house on graceland too and his name is dwight and you know they were friends but also kind of um on the phrase of society, trying both of them just trying to survive and make it. And the story is, and obviously no one was there, so the only two that know what truly happened are Paul and Dwight, but Paul needed to pay Dwight for some work that Dwight did, and Dwight never got paid. So he was upset, and it was all over $10. Um, 
It was also a known fact that Paul owned a lot of guns. So Paul um, was met with a very upset Dwight on his front porch and shot and killed Dwight. Um, it was ruled as self-defense. And two days after Dwight was killed, Paul was found dead of natural causes on his front porch. Again, you can Google this. It's all in the news. Um, but it was such a strange turn of events in such a short amount of time. And it really just I, it boggled my mind. And it was a story that I really wanted to explore. And this story... The play, Graceland 2, The Building Elpis Never Left, um, yeah, it explores what might have happened. Um, so it's historic fiction. It's not completely accurate. Um, but the goal is to pay homage mm -hmm. to both people. Um, yeah. Yeah. Essentially... You know, there was Dwight, who was the one that was doing work for Paul. And they both, like you said, are on the fringes of society. And over something that we know was just over $10, both of them died within 70 hours of one another. And we explore how we got to there. I only said that just in case we don't want to give away all those punchlines in the podcast. And we want to cut that out. That's up to like you. Like, it's a whole story. Like a, like a trailer that you're like, well, don't need to see the movie anymore. Well, you can also Google it and read the whole thing. Yeah, that's true, too. But what you don't get in a New York Times synopsis of these events is what I put in the play. The play has soul. The play has blues. And it's very, very Southern. And it's so much more than just the tragic events. Mm -hmm. Well, it's written by a Southerner. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I would like to think it has a lot of soul. Mm. Um, and it's a, for anybody that's grown up in areas like this or, or lived in similar places or parts of the country, it, it's really playing with people's standing in societies and how people are treated for varying different reasons. And the way we kind of just get on with things or what gets swept to the side or there's, there's even sort of elements of how we deal with mental health in Southern communities and, mm -hmm. of course, how we deal with race and how we deal with poverty, which are all just super prevalent things in these types of neighborhoods. Yeah. The play itself is written in a way that the audience, um, you know, it raises questions for the audience. It doesn't tell them what to think. Or how to necessarily feel or who the bad guy is mm -hmm. in this situation. If um, there ever is one. If Right. Um, yeah. yeah that, what's really great about the play, and I can say what's really great about the play because I didn't write it, you did. No. Um, but what's really great about this piece is that it doesn't have an opinion. You know, it just has facts. And the only opinion in there is... You know, the interpretation, being you the writer and me the director, of of what it feels like to be in those places. And fortunately enough, we've been in those places and we were raised there. And I, you know, we're trying to take a piece of text or a story and, you know, when you experience it on stage, be able to think that you can smell what the Mississippi smells like and, like, what cornbread down the street smells like and like 
warm, hot, sticky summers and that whole cultural thing. That vibe. And oh, vibe. <laughs> I'm not in Generation Z. It's a vibe. Well, I'm calling it a Southern vibe. <laughs> um, so anyway, I watch a lot of TikTok. But um, I think we're fortunate enough to now have the opportunity to bring this, in quotes, Southern vibe, right, to New York City mm -hmm. um, for the New York Theater Festival. So it will... This story is now going to be living off the page um, mm. and on to a stage, not to rhyme and sound corny, but um, it's exciting. You know, yeah. again, the Graceland two doors have been closed since 2014, and now it gets a chance to be revisited seven, eight years later. Um, yeah, I, I am very excited about that. Yes, yes. And it's got a lot of bluesy elements to it. Mm -hmm. Including we're, you know, having original and cover music done by a Memphis recording artist, Matt Wood. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about, like, where we are in the process or... So we're super early on. Yeah. We, uh, today, which is why we have lights and stuff up, we shot the fundraising video. Um, that's, I guess I'm mentioning that only for those of you who end up watching this on, like, YouTube or something. Otherwise... This is my voice telling you that there are lights and stuff up, but we uh, shot the fundraising video to try and crowdfund, um, get some help in producing this. We are producing this ourselves. Um, so the festival, which is fantastic, we got into the New York, she got into the New York Theater Festival with just on the merit of her writing. And now we are going to produce a production. They're providing us with theater space and, and help in that sense. and. We gotta costume it, rehearse it, um, pay actors, and as somebody that's been an actor for a long time, um, we're trying to pay actors what they deserve, and you know, do all treat people the way we like to be treated in the yeah. process of making a piece of art. Um, and it's fun. It's nice to be like at the steering wheel, but it's also quite intimidating and. We're, you know, stepping up to it together and using this to document it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fun. And again, if you want to support us, <laughs> uh, we are launching an Indiegogo campaign, um, hoping to reach our goal again to, yeah, pay back the artists, the creative team and everything that we need to get this on stage. Um, yeah, it's yeah. an exciting time. Um, I think more than that, more than the fundraising, I would hope to see a community of previous Graceland 2 supporters want to see this mm -hmm. um, go up and want to see this story uh, be revisited. Yeah, so. see if we can get it to expand past the uh, first New York festival production. Yeah. Or just have some wonderful people like you listen to the podcast and hear us talk about what it's like to produce a play as we, you know, learn it on our own. I've choreographed and directed theater um, and performed in theater for years, and it's different to be 100% in charge. And, and so. I've never done this before ever. So it's a learning experience. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, doing this podcast or just documenting it in any way and sharing it out is fun. I mean, we'll get to look back at it and see how far we've come and what we didn't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm having a blast. So. Yeah. 
Well, Yay. I guess that's that. Yeah. We we just recorded a podcast. High five. Until next time on The Making Of Graceland <laughs> 2. The building that Elvis never left the podcast. Come back next week, folks. Yeah. I don't know if we're doing this weekly. <laughs> yeah. But come back. Stay tuned. And yeah. if you donate, we will give you a shout out on the podcast. Yeah. We'll talk about you if you send us money. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. <laughs> and, you know, we're also going to share some exclusive audio. Um, the songs that Matt creates for the show. We'll mm-hmm. do some little snippets. We'll do... Some we're about to do a table read. We're going to do a table read, yeah, mm-hmm. of um, the show coming up. So we'll get some maybe audio of that to share some scenes. And, yeah, looking forward. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Peace, y'all. Bye. Bye, y'all.